Hello, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Tips. So I think about seven years ago, I went to a networking event and I met this amazing young lady. Uh, we connected. Uh, we stay in touch. We've done business together. She's been mind-blowing everything she knows about business that I had to bring in here today, guys. Marcy, what's going on? Hey, I am so thrilled to be on this this podcast, Julie. I really, really am on this show. You've done so much for me and for people I know over the years, and I know what you're doing now. So thanks a lot. It's really thank you, thank you. So to get the ball rolling, right before we we go into everything you know about business, who is Marcy? Uh, I had a little blank, but I think you said tell them about you, Marcy. Is that what you said? Yes. Who is Marcy? Okay. <laughs> Marcy, well, Marcy is a woman who never expected to be in business. Huh. It's very interesting. Uh, business came upon me because I guess you could say I was a sort of a solution-oriented person. <laughs> I went to New York City right out of college because I was interested in art and in international culture. Mm -hmm. Well, I couldn't get much going there. So I worked at the United Nations. That was very good for international culture. And while I was there, I met people in the media business, in broadcast uh -huh. and in TV. Okay. I ended up in TV. I ended up in TV news. And through that, I began to develop a lot of different um, media capabilities. And I met tons of people. So let's just skip uh -huh. about a decade. And I was hired by an IBM joint venture to uh -huh. launch some new technical products for them. Nice. And in the process of doing that, I started teaching businesses all over the United States and even in Europe wow. how to communicate their message and build their business through technology. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, it came to me. <laughs> I was no, looking for Been so in business ever since. Wow. So it started that way. Um, well, let's go back a little, right? Because you said you moved to New York City after mm -hmm. college. Where were you from originally? Well, I grew up in Maryland. Okay. I went to college in Virginia, but it was one of the very first schools that sent their students to study in Europe if you wanted to go for nice. a year, for a full calendar year. So that nice. was and so then I moved to New York because, of course, it's such an international center. I was never interested in politics, just yeah. in the way that people think. And that actually has an awful lot to do with the coaching that I've been doing for many years. I know we've jumped into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But people think differently depending on their geographical background, on their yeah. upbringing, on the kinds of experiences they, they have. And so bringing that thinking into the way we approach our business, mm -hmm. our business to satisfy the owner, as well as to appeal to the public. That's how I think that business coaching fits in. Uh -huh. I've ever done. Let, let's let's go deeper into that, right? Because you've had a chance to coach a lot of business owners over the years. And you mentioned something about the way to think. What have you seen with the most successful business owners you've coached? on how to think their mindset compared to the one that are maybe just starting out and haven't reached that level of success yet. Okay. Um, I, there's no question in my mind that the primary driver, and this is not a new thought, the primary driver of success is it's twofold. It's our attitude 
mm-hmm. our belief in what we're doing yeah, and that we can do it. And it's also combined with something that I think is underrated because it's misunderstood. Mm. And that is our core values. Okay. So tell us more about that. What, what exactly? Because okay. you hear that term all the time, core values. I know. So what does it mean, right? Yes. <laughs> so people say that, well, what are our core values? Well, I heard a very interesting presentation from um, a very uh, long-term and successful coach years ago that he said, in a way, everybody has the same core values all over the world. You know, mm-hmm. we all want you to be honest. We all want to be respected, things like this. But for me, when we're talking about business, I like my business owners to think about what really it is that is important to them, both on a large level mm-hmm. and on a, let's call it a picky level. Mm-hmm. So I always say, what are your pet peeves? So maybe your pet peeve is you can't stand for people to be late. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember having a, a client, he was a wonderful client who had an auto body shop and he also had a restaurant on the side, a little restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he was always on time. He was always there before his team was supposed to show up and they would wander in around eight o'clock and they wouldn't have their uniforms on yet. And they mm-hmm. have an open cup of, cup of coffee. And this drove the guy crazy. This drove the owner crazy. So even though being on time yeah. may not be a, a masterful core value, if it's something that's important to you as an owner, then be clear on it and communicate it to everyone, including your mm. clients. Because okay. number one, that'll make your life easier. Yeah. Now, on the little more serious side, if your core value is really that your customers are going to always get the best of you, Uh then you need to communicate that. You can identify what the best is. You can communicate that to your employees, Uh to your hires before you hire them. And you can put that forth as a selling point Uh to customers. Just two weeks ago, might not even been that long. I talked to a young man who has a cleaning business. Yeah. And he'd been doing all the cleaning himself. He mostly cleaned churches Uh and he finally was expanding to a point where he had to have somebody else. So he brought in a friend that he knew could do the work and a friend who he respected and the next to do the work. And the next thing, you know, he gets a call from a church who'd been his client for a while. And the church Mm. said, I'm sorry, we're done with you. Wow. Why? Right. The owner was just hard. What do you mean you're done with me? And he said, well, it's been two weeks now that we've had this new person on the job. The job has not been that thorough. And last week we found a cigarette butt under one of the pews. Now how a cigarette butt got under a church pew in the first place, I don't know. But if the owner had communicated very clearly what he meant, if he even had a core value, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About being thorough and doing the very best we can for our clients. And if we're a cleaning company, we don't want a trace of anything there. Mm. We'd still have that client. I see. So and it's all core... okay. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, and we all know it costs a lot more money to get a new client and a yeah. lot more effort than to keep a current client. A hundred percent. So those are just two tiny, tiny uh, examples of a core value, some to protect the owner and some to really do the best you can for your customers and know what you want to do. Now, when you, when I'm hearing core value from what you share, it's, 
it, it's from the core, right? It's from the owner themselves. It's like a projection of the owner within the organization. That's right. And, okay. And it has to be communicated throughout the organization right. so that you can even, I guess, use it for when you're doing interviews, right? Where you're looking for specific core values in the team members you're looking to hire. Absolutely. I advise my uh, clients mm -hmm. to put their core values or at least one or two of the top ones right there in the ad. Mm. Because if I'm reading an ad and I know I never show up on time and that's one of them, it, this isn't going to work. And I yeah. know it, you know it. It's a filtering process too. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, before, okay. they can go much, much deeper than that. No, no, I, I like that. I like that conversation. So I'm curious, right, is how many core values somebody should have in their business? Because you have some people that has 50 or 10. Like, how do you determine, okay, this is Great the amount question. you should have? Great question. So I'm going to say something that if anyone from Action Coach, which originally is a company that trained me and is the largest coaching organization in the world, they wouldn't be too happy to hear this, but we have 15 core values. Too much. You can't yeah. remember them. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. I usually advise for around five. Okay. Right. You can have other principles, but more than five, it gets to be too much. Gotcha. Gotcha. Five core values. The owner is able to basically project what he wants for the business right. come from him. And then that help not only with filtering for interviews to hire talent that help really showing the type of clients they want to work with. Right. Because guess what? Some clients doesn't align with those core values. Right. It doesn't make sense. Exactly. Wow. That so one awesome. of my core values, just as yeah. an example, and I don't have a very big team. The most I ever have is one, maybe two assistants of some kind uh -huh. or a company like your own that's working for me, but you know, yeah. working with me, I should say, guys, <laughs> Joe Bell really works with you. But one of mine is that I always want my clients to feel safe and comfortable. Mm. That's the most important thing for me. Uh, obviously, Why? I want them to get value out of what they're yeah. If my clients don't feel safe and comfortable, then I can't help them, right? Because mm -hmm. they're always going to have a little wall up. They're not going to be sure if they can really trust. Mm. So the core value, the trust business. Yeah. Yeah. So the core value has to suit each one of you on the call and the type of business that you're doing. 100%. Now, let's dive into your business a little bit, right? Because you, you're an executive business coach. You work with entrepreneurs and business owners all over. Uh, what have you seen has been some of their biggest challenges? Ah, aha. Uh -huh. Great. Let me just, I'm going to just switch a little wording there so people understand. Yeah. Um, I do coach on an executive level, but I don't coach. I could, I used to, but I don't coach executives in companies. I'm strictly about the entrepreneur, the independent business owner, right? Mm -hmm. So I coach the owners of companies and I have coached from startups to multi, multi-million dollar businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are a few things that come up on a regular basis, but I've got some that I've kind of coined. One thing that I think is the biggest myth, and this strikes all size business owners as a surprise. I call it the top line syndrome. Okay. And I think it's particularly applicable in the United States. We always want more in this country, right? <laughs> more space, more money, more people, more services, right? <laughs> More is not necessarily better. Mm, expand on that. Okay. 
So let's say that we want to grow ourselves into, we just have this in our head. I want to be a $3 million company or I want to be a yeah. $10 million company. And I've experienced this myself before I was trained to be a coach. We think that the more money that's coming in is going to result in more money for us or for mm -hmm. the business, okay? Or for us to pay our employees or for us to- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. But what comes in at the top is how much comes in at the top is not necessarily related to what's left at the end of the day. Yes, that's true. <laughs> right? So one of the things that I do is I start with looking at the financials on not a piecemeal basis, but on a pretty detailed basis. Mm -hmm. So we can find out what you're doing that's the most profitable for you. And what are those things you're doing that are really distracting mm. from the profitability which means it's not as effective. It's taking mm -hmm. you more time or rework or you're not up to it or whatever. So that's one of the biggest things. And mm. in fact, I have a client like that now. It's a $20 million company. Yeah. And they are really proud to be a $20 million company. Yeah. Their profitability looks really great on the P&L, on the income statement. We use either term sort of interchangeably. Yeah. But if you include what's on the balance sheet, lots of leases, Lots of loans, mm -hmm. always overusing the line of credit. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is really, really interesting. So okay. Because uh, I want to take it a step further, right? Because I uh, recently sold my last business, right? Um, and when you're looking at PL, you're looking at the PL, but also a lot of people don't pay attention to the balance sheet, like you mentioned. So <laughs> tell us more like what, what should owners be thinking about or looking at when they're looking at the whole picture and the financials because okay. you know sometimes you just have a bookkeeper or you have an accountant they kind of tell you yeah things are good but maybe there are some key things you should pay attention to yourself in okay. addition to just the top line okay fantastic question and i got an answer in two parts Let's one go. of the things that i know that most business owners don't do because i always give them a worksheet so that they can do it follow your cash every week cash huh. in cash out and the difference every week cash okay. in cash out that's your cash flow and the concept of cash flow can kind of elude people yeah 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 it does so it's okay. cash coming in and then cash going out okay okay great and then the next thing is look at your um and if you don't have it now at some point you will look at your debt because that's not with cash in, cash out every week, mm -hmm. right? If I'm paying, um, if I have a bunch of cars that I'm buying for the business, or even if I only yeah. have one truck, I have one yeah, truck, yeah. but I'm paying off that truck. I'm going to see on the balance sheet that it looks as though I own more of that truck. The mm -hmm. asset for that truck is getting larger, even though I might only be paying $200 a month. So you're over here seeing on your cash flow $200 out in yeah. relation to that truck. But if you have too much, on the balance sheet that you're paying for, it can get bigger than this little bit of income. Mm. And you don't want that to be too off. Okay. Because if something should happen in the business, you've got yeah, all these responsibilities you can't cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting thing. Came up a few months ago with a current client. Sometimes we start a business and we lend we, get, we put a lot of our own money into that business, yes. okay? Be sure someday you might want to sell that business. 
Yes. Even if you sell it to a friend, even if it's not a real mature business, make sure that you put your own personal balance sheet as a liability of the company to you. Okay. So it's like you're loaning the company your money. You are, but then the company owes you that money and that should always be recorded. Gotcha. That's getting a little technical, maybe for this conversation. Nah, I like that. But it comes up a lot. It's necessary, right? Because, you know, sometimes you just give the information to your bookkeeper or accountant, but you have still have no idea. You just know, okay, we made this amount top line. We made this amount net. We're good. Right. But you don't realize all that coming the back end. So in your opinion, would you say the balance sheet is more important than the P&L? No, I wouldn't say it's more important, but I okay. would say it's of equal importance. And that's what most people I'm talking about, because most people never look at it. Yeah, I agree. Unless that's you're looking why. to buy the business and like yeah. now you're looking at what does the balance sheet look like? Yeah. What do the assets look like? Can yeah. I borrow against this asset? OK, right. right. Um. Wow. This is good. This is really good. So let's go a step further. Right. Because sure. <laughs> uh, you work with a lot of companies. So right. um, when you're working with seven and eight figure companies like that. What have you seen that they're doing or how have you advised them when it comes to talent acquisition? Okay, great. Great question. Um, You know, talent acquisition is always, always hard, Mm -hmm. particularly now because we have a workplace where either either right after COVID, nobody wanted to work. And now the impression is that all the good talent is gone. Mm -hmm. One mistake that's made, and I've just seen this is, it's so, the perception is that it's so hard to get good people mm-hmm. that sometimes we hire, bef- now with small businesses, usually not. With very small businesses, you're usually waiting, waiting, I'm afraid to hire because can I pay for them? But yeah. once we get big, we get a little cocky. And so we see somebody real, really good and we bring them in and we pay them, but they're not pulling their money's worth mm. because the firm doesn't have the work for them. Mm, talk more about that. <laughs> well, I see that in manufacturing all the time. Uh-huh. Manufacturing. Uh, another place that I have seen it is in retail. We've got okay. a small clothing store or a small gift shop, something yeah. like this. And you can't be there all the time. You've got other things to do, right? This is the chaotic yeah. part of a business, which we like to think we get over in the first year or so. But, you know, you're looking for business, you're yeah, you books, you're <laughs> dealing with inventory. And so we're paying people more mm. than the actual business, the business can actually support. Yes. Yes. I've done that in the past. So let's talk more about that. How, how do you okay. identify how much you okay. should be paying somebody compared okay. to what support? So what's really interesting is it's, it's an indirect answer to your question. And we can get back yeah. to that. Is that what we haven't talked about, which is really crucial to any business, the smaller, the better it is to start doing this now, are processes, processes yeah. that can be followed. Mm-hmm. Another one of my little isms is the profit is in the process. Nice. If you have a good process, you're not making mistakes. You don't have to do repeat work. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're in the construction business, you know, something has to be requoted and all kinds of things. But in any business, if you have a process that people can follow, not only do you have fewer mistakes, but if something does mess up, you know what your process is and you can modify your process. Mm. 
Now, how does this relate to what you're saying about getting good people and using them? Yes. It's called training. <laughs> it's And it is. It's training to the process. On a hierarchy of building businesses with which I work with conceptually with this hierarchy, a level that we call leverage, and we all know what yeah. a lever is, you know, any one of yeah. us can raise, uh, you know, lift a very heavy stone if the lever's long enough. Leverage comes before team mm. because if we have the processes in place, we can hire the team knowing we can train them on the process. Yeah. And I always say, and it always rings true. It seems there's never such as an always, but almost always it rings true when a business owner says, well, you know, I really needed somebody. I hired them anyway. And that is they hired hire for attitude. Mm. We can train people to do a task if they have the basic yeah. ability. Okay. You're not going to train a ditch digger to be an accountant but if they have yeah. the basic ability you're going to train them if they have the right attitude and the attitude is what fits your core values in your company gotcha i see how things come full circle which i have a, a question for you on that right sure because you're looking at okay um you want to grow a business to let's say 100 million right mm -hmm. you're doing mm -hmm. let's say you're doing about 10 million right now mm -hmm. and you like you know for me to really grow this, I need to bring people that have done $100 million or have worked in $100 million businesses. Now, you may not even have the infrastructure to go to that level, but I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs will go and hire the person that built that $100 million business and expect that person to build that process for their business. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that, oh, I have so many. And in, in fact, I'm talking to a man now who wants to go from his $2 million business to 100 million in 10 years, five years, sorry. Interesting. Um, probably we cannot do it alone. Yeah. There's a wonderful, wonderful book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And I'd have to go and pull it off the shelf. Yeah, I, yeah I need to read that book. <laughs> right. What got you here won't get you there. I'm getting to the answer to your question because the things that propel an entrepreneur to get to a certain level all has all to do with their own drive, ability, work ethic, and talents, mm -hmm. okay? So we can only get to a certain point alone. Nobody's getting beyond that alone because you need yeah. people, okay? Yeah. So a couple of different ways to do it. I have a, a very small investment in a company that's attempting to do this. And they've done it by putting experienced people who they cannot afford, highly experienced people who they cannot afford to pay yeah. on their advisory board. Ah. They get a piece of the company. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right? Okay. I can't pay you a quarter of a million this year, but yeah. advise me. And if you advise me well, you're going to be way ahead of that when we get where yeah. we want to go. Ah, that makes sense. Yep. That's the cheat code. And you can okay. have an advisory board when you're small. Yeah, it, you don't need to be a certain level to get an advisory board. Right. Gotcha. The other thing, of course, is acquisition. Uh, you know, to make those huge strides, yeah. a lot of people take the acquisition route. Yes. Now, you know, you're not going to do that if you're only earning uh, a quarter of a million dollars or even, uh, you know, you might be able to at a million. It depends on who you're looking to acquire. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. then you get other partners in who will help you do acquisition and so forth. But, you know, it all boils down to one thing, leadership, leadership, leadership. 
Wow. People think you're born with it. And there are some charismatic people who maybe bo be born with it, right? Gandhi, yeah. JFK, um, even Ronald Reagan had incredible leadership skills because he was able to make huge differences, whether you like what he did or not in this country. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of leadership can be learned. And I would say, if you want to boil that down, the key to leadership is learning how to inspire and empower the other people around you. Gotcha. Right. Wow. This is powerful. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, because I'm looking at sure. time and just fly by. We might have to have you come back for round two. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Your questions are great. Your questions are just thank wonderful. You, thank so you. I'm enjoying um, So like, what is that? We got a lot of small business owners that listen to us. Some of them, they're under 100K. Some of them are doing two, three million. Uh, some of them doing 10 million. So Sure. What would you say is that one small business tip uh, that that would be that, you know, that one thing that they should be thinking about or should be doing in their business? I don't know if I can say one. I'll try. <laughs> but, you know, one I've talked about, you've got to understand your numbers. You yeah. must understand your numbers. Um, the 80-20 rule, that's really important. You're losing money on some clients. We all are. Find mm -hmm. out where you're making your money. The second thing I would say is just what I said about using the people around you, get good people around you and use them because they have knowledge with which they can provide you and you would never come up mm. with the information on your own. Mm. They're doing things you're not doing. Yeah. And so they're seeing things you're not seeing and people love to step up and be acknowledged for an idea that they, one, they'd like to know their ideas are appreciated and acknowledge yeah. the good ideas they have. That brings growth, empowering your people. I love it. I love it. Wow. How do people get in touch with you? They want to work with you because, I mean, you're doing amazing work for entrepreneurs. Well, thank you so much. Uh, they can reach out to me. The way to reach out to me right now, the best way is just to email me okay. at Marcy which mm -hmm. is M-A-R-C-I-E, mm -hmm. Han Hart, hand without a D, H-A-N, heart without an E, H-A-R-T, <laughs> Han Hart at actioncoach.com. And just put in the headline, Jewel Bear. Fantastic. Awesome. Guys, reach out to Marcy. She knows what she's talking about. She's an amazing coach. And she's killing it. Thanks again for jumping on, Marcy. Really Thank you so it. much for having me. The best to everyone on the call. Cheers. It's been wonderful.